I want to take your attention to John, the 20th chapter and the 19th verse. Real quick, while you guys are turning there, while the media team is getting it on the screens, let me just give a shout out to our media team. You guys are awesome. And uh, let me tell you what, when we have... When we have difficulties like we have today, and we've been experiencing a lot of them lately, we have some issues we're working through, it's very stressful back there, and it takes a lot of effort, and I just want to say how proud of I am of our media team. You guys are awesome. All of our ministries are just amazing, from music to, to our greeters to a coffee bar to our hospitality. We have some of the best ministries in the world, and that's because we have some of the best people in the world. Amen. God has laid something on my heart today that I hope I can adequately convey to you. I want to read a familiar portion of Scripture, John, the 20th chapter and the 19th verse. It reads this way. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said unto them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And he hath said to this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. I believe we've seen the Lord today. We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. I want to preach for just a few moments on this thought, the greatest sight I've never seen. The greatest sight I've never seen. We read in our scripture of the disciples, they had gathered together for church. Now, I don't know exactly whether they're in church or having a prayer meeting or what they were doing. I doubt their gathering looked anything like our gathering today, but if you'll allow me to take some liberties today, I think they're having church. They were gathered together for church, ready to spend some time, maybe in prayer and worship, and maybe the song service was over and they were ready to go home. Anybody ready for lunch? Just give me about an hour and we'll, we'll get there. They were ready to go home and it's important to know in our scripture that it states that they were meeting on the first day of the week. And it's, it's clear if you read through the Bible and scripture that Jesus met with his disciples on a Sunday, specifically on two different occasions. Uh, we also know that the upper room experience happened at a gathering on a Sunday. Christians have been gathering every Sunday since that day. Are you glad you're here today? There is no other place I would rather be. God has designed and purposed the church to meet weekly on the first day. I believe that. There is no better way to start your week. 
I'm sorry, I don't care if you're on vacation. I don't care if you're going on vacation. I don't care if you're getting ready to win the lottery. Hope you pay your tithes. There is no better way to start your week than being in the house of the Lord. So the disciples was doing as they were taught. They were gathered on the first day. Then all of a sudden, Thomas isn't here today. I was going to use him as, a, as an example, but that will be all right. All of a sudden, here came a leg through the wall. All of a sudden, a torso just started flowing through the wall. All of a sudden, this, this apparition, maybe the spirit-like image came through the wall. Now, I don't care how tough you think you are today. That will make you just a little bit scared. I'll say right now, if a ghost flows through the wall at where I'm at, I'm calling 1-800-GHOSTBUSTERS. I'm done. I'm running. I'm scared. It's not happening. But we read in Scripture, Jesus came in. They were scared. Now, God floats through a wall. I think it's reasonable that they were just a little unsettled. They were a little scared. And then all of a sudden, he showed them the wounds in his hands. And he showed them the scars on his body and his feet and his side. And then all of a sudden, the scripture says they were glad. And they rejoiced for the risen king. But there was one disciple that was laid out of the church that night. And Thomas, we understand, wasn't there. He missed out on this meeting with the rest of the disciples let me tell you today, and I'm just going to kind of throw a tagline in here. You never know what you're going to miss when you're not at church. Wouldn't it have been a shame to miss what has happened here today? There is not a Sunday that goes by that I don't want to be in the house of God. The disciples told him of what happened, and the Apostle Thomas, we referred to as Doubting Thomas, said, except I shall see his hands, the print of the nails, I will not believe. And we think of Thomas a little more than with contempt. We compare him almost to Judas at times. Thomas doesn't make the grade. Are you with me today? But did you know that Thomas died a martyr? Thomas was killed by Hindu priests due to him being a practicing Jew. And he was, if you read on later on in his life, he was faithful to his calling. Thomas got a bad rap due to his doubting. But can I tell you today, it is my belief that he had every right to doubt. You see, he was there when, he, when Jesus cried, My God, let this cup pass from me. He was there when they took him off the bloody wood of the cross. He saw his lifeless body being carried away. He, he saw the doctor maybe put his head on his chest and proclaim he's dead. There's, there's no heartbeat. There is a finality that accompanies death. I don't know if anybody here today has ever witnessed someone dying, but when you witness that, there is a finality that accompanies it. It's done. It's over. If we trace our spiritual tree, we are all related to Thomas. Thomas said, I won't believe it. You know, I saw him die. I saw him carry him away lifeless. You know, it was good while it lasted, but now it's over. And Thomas said, I will not believe until I see it. We are all like Thomas. Old doubting Thomas. We trust only in our empirical senses. I believe what I can feel. I believe what I can touch. I believe what I can see, what I can 
hear, what I can smell. Am I making sense today? That's all that we want to believe in. We must have concrete evidence, need solid proof. I want to tell you today, there is a world out there never seen before with human eyes. It's the truth. It's just as real as this pulpit I'm standing behind. It's just as solid as the chairs you are sitting in right now. It's just as special as this building. We read that eight days later, Thomas made it to church. The Bible says the doors were shut. And all of a sudden, Jesus came once again. He didn't use the doors. He didn't knock to come in. He came in through the wall. Jesus said to Thomas, here, put your finger in my hands. Go ahead, put your fingers in my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Only one man could have pulled that off. Only one man could have materialized through the walls. Only one man could rise from the dead with those, with those nail-scarred hands. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Not just Rabboni, not just master, not just teacher. He said, my Lord God. Can I tell you today, can I tell you this morning, God has been so good to me. Anybody feel that way today? God has been so good to me. He has been my healer when my body was sick. He has been my provider when times were tough. He has been my counselor when I didn't know what direction to go. He has been my friend that has stayed with me through thick and thin. He is more than just that to me today. He is my Lord and my God. He is the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He is the rose of Shannon. I've come to tell you today, God is everything to me. He is everything to my life. He is my salvation. I might not be able to physically touch him. But when I look back, oh man, are those songs perfect today, Linda. I was weeping down there. When I look back over my life. And I see the handiwork of God. And I see how God has touched me. How God has provided for me. When I see what God has done in my life, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, He is my God. My son shouldn't be here today. You might, you've heard this story before. My wife and I talk about it a lot. He was born with uh, malrotations of his intestines. He shouldn't be here today. The doctor told us when he was there, he was probably 24 to 72 hours away from dying. Finding it that early on is unheard of. Now he's a six-year-old boy that can't keep a shirt tucked in, running around, causing trouble everywhere. My God still heals. Some people might look at my family, look at my dad and his current condition and everything going on and say, you know, well, how can you believe in God when your father's on the deathbed? Let me tell you, he's still here. He could have been gone 20 years ago. My kids could have never known his grand their grandfather. But my dad is still here because there's still a God on the throne of heaven. He may not be perfect. I don't know what's going to happen. But when I look back... Sometimes I wonder why I had to go through certain things in my ministry. I don't understand why things happen in my life. Didn't we come here for a second? I want to embarrass you, man. I'm talking off the cuff here. 
I look back at my life and I wonder, why, why God, did you allow me to go through such horrible things in my ministry? Let me tell you, there's a young man standing here right now. That is the reason why I had to go through some things. When I look back... I see a young man worshiping with me in the altar when I saw him at a 14-year-old boy. Is it all right? I don't want to embarrass you today. Didn't live, come from a lifestyle that was conducive to being a Christian. Didn't know anything about God. And now he's married to a godly woman worshiping in the house of God. When I look back <laughs> over my life, Anybody experienced that? Have you ever just sat back and looked at what God has did? My life's not perfect. I don't have a million dollars in the bank account. I don't have everything going right. But when I look back and I see my beautiful children and I see my amazing wife and I see a church that I'm so blessed to be a part of and I can look back and I can see people being healed of tumors and people being healed of... Anybody hearing what I'm saying today? There is no shadow of a doubt that my God is real. He is my Lord God. Thomas never bobbled again. He never doubted again. Once he touched, once he saw, once he got a hold of that, he never doubted again. Yes, there is a world out there that the physical eyes have never seen. And people want, they want proof. They want hard evidence. Can you show me visible proof? Then I will believe. Some people equate making it to heaven to purchasing a ticket through a travel agency. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about heaven. I can't give you a physical ticket of evidence, but let me tell you, it is real. Heaven is as real as the house you go home to every day. You might ask, how, how can I be sure? How do you know for sure? Give me proof of this world. There's a story that I heard growing up. I believe it was my grandfather who used to tell it, and I'm going to use it. There's a sick person on their deathbed, and this person wants to know what is next. He asked the doctor, what happens to my soul when, when I die? Probably a question we've all thought about at some point in our life. Just so happens this doctor was atheist, and he tells the person, there is no heaven, there is no hell. The doctor asks the patient, can you see a soul? Can you smell a soul? Can you hear a soul? Can you taste a soul? Can you feel a soul? The sick person replies, no. No to all those except for the last one. Yes, I have felt a soul. David wrote in the Psalms about his soul, Psalms 43 and 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. David had felt his soul. He felt it inside of himself. You have felt your soul within. Every one of us here today has felt something deep within inside of us. The doctor said to that sick, sick patient, but I've proven to you four out of five senses. You have no soul. Listen, you can't see, you can't smell, you can't hear, you can't taste, and you can't feel other people's pain. 
Four out of five senses. I used to hate it. My dad growing up, you know, I'd get hurt. Oh, fall down. You're fine. Get up. Stop being a sissy. Get up. You're fine. And I catch myself doing it to my son. He fell on the trampoline the other day, come hobbling his arm. I'm like, you're fine. Stop it. You're not hurt. <laughs> Bone sticking out. He can't move. <laughs> can't four out of five senses say they have no, no pain. My empirical senses says there is no pain, but they feel it. It's there, and it's real. Scientists said that the earth was flat at one time. But Columbus said, sorry, hate to ruin your life, but it's round. We're living in a world they said didn't, didn't exist, wasn't even there. Einstein saw an atom. They said that wasn't there. If you say there's no nuclear atom, then 200,000 people from the grave of Hiroshima will say there is surely an atom bomb. <laughs> I can't see it, but it's there. I have felt it. In every one of us, there lives and beats the presence of a soul. I hope I'm preaching to somebody today. The bridge between doubt and belief is personal experience. I know because I have felt his spirit move inside of my soul. We each have a soul that is alive and it will live forever somewhere. Can I just be direct today, maybe a little old-fashioned? There is still a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. So I ask you today, what could be the greatest sight you've never seen? Could it be one of the top five greatest sights listed on the ultimate travel list? I want to travel the world. I don't know about anybody else today, but I I want to go see the world one day. When my kids get out of the house, Aaron and I are going to travel the world. That's the plan. Probably going to be broke, but that is the plan. Could it be the temples of Akkor in Cambodia? The Great Barrier Reef in Australia? Is that the greatest sight you haven't seen? Maybe it's the Great Wall of China. I'd like to see the Great Wall of China. Maybe it's the Taj Mahal in India. Maybe it's the Grand Canyon National Park in the United States of America. Could those be the greatest sights you've never seen? I remember as a kid growing up in the church... Maybe some of you will remember this too. We would have testimony, like a testimony time every Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night, there was testimony time. And let me tell you, it was popular. People would stand up. We would spend as much time in testimony time uh, than, than the whole service, it seemed like. And without fail, there would be at least one person that would testify that they can't wait to get to heaven. Anybody else remember any memories like that? You can almost point out the person. You're like, all right, it's either going to be that person, that person, that one of these people going to get up. I can't wait to see Jesus. Now, we were, I was preaching at a church in Evansville a few months back, and it was an experience for Riley. She had not been to a church culture like that before, and they had a testimony service in, their, in the first part, and anybody would just get up, and so they would get up and start testifying, and then they would just break into a song. That person would lead that song. It was like straight out of my childhood. It was amazing. It was like, I can't wait to get heaven. I can't wait. It didn't even have to make it. <laughs> they just went for it. It was, it was amazing. They would sing about it. I've heard it preached. I've heard it talked about. Heaven so many times in my life. And somewhere in there we could talk about the streets of gold. I'm excited about seeing the streets of gold. Paved with the purest of gold. Paul was given a vision of heaven. 
that he wrote about in the books of Revelation, Revelation 21. The wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. This was, the first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a gate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the seventh beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth cryophrase, the eleventh jacknith, and the twelfth atheist. Nope, that's not right. Amphist. <laughs> if there's an atheist that makes it to heaven, that's going to be something special. <laughs> All kinds of jewels. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, and each of the gates were made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. You know what's funny? I was sitting in the pastor's office getting ready for this, and I was listening to the Bible on my phone through the Scripture because I knew I was going to mess up one of those jewels. I'm listening to that. And the one that I thought I had down, I messed up. The streets will be... Pure gold, like transparent glass. What a beautiful sight it will be. Can you imagine with me? I hope you're as excited as I am today about getting to heaven. Sun measurements was given to us in Scripture, and I, I believe so maybe that we can have in some way understand the magnitude of what heaven will be. Our heaven will be 1,500 cubed, 12 individual foundation. Each one is 125 miles above the next which means if you're standing on one level, you would not be able to see it, literally be out of sight to the next level. 2,250,000 square miles, which is 15 times, or excuse me, 15,000 times larger than, than London. Surrounded by walls 144 cubics tall or 216 feet of pure jasper. And I know these are just numbers, but I'm trying to awe you today. The gate's made of pure pearl. If you made a continuous streets on every level with one mile square blocks, there would be 1,500 north and south streets and 1,500 east and west streets that are each a mile apart. Each street is 1,500 miles long. For every level, there would be 3,000 streets which are each 1,500 miles long. It's going to be big. Are you following me so far? You got all these numbers written down? That would make 4,500,000... Uh, miles of streets on every level, a total of 36,000 streets or 54 million miles of streets roughly in heaven. All of the roads will be made of gold. Now, I just want you to let your imagination run wild with me today. Can you imagine half of what heaven will be like? I don't think we can comprehend the magnitude. You know, we live in a society of people that are obsessed with what they can get. A, a common phrase that everyone likes to use is keeping up with the Joneses. But it, I think it's a relative term. Everybody wants to keep up with the Joneses. Money makes the world go round. We work hard and plan for the next better car and the bigger house and the bigger TV and the, the larger bank account. And don't misunderstand me today. There is nothing wrong with saving money, nothing wrong with wanting nice things, nothing wrong with working hard to buy something you want. There's nothing wrong with having goals and aspirations. I'm not talking against any of that. The issue comes when worldly desires control our spiritual direction. One of the most valuable metals in this world, this world has to offer is gold. Now, there is a couple that are nowadays more, more pricey per ounce, but gold is still one of the most valuable metals. Men have fought Men have died over it. Men have killed for it. They have divorced themselves from all morale uh, just for some gold. And the, the gold standard was 
or is a currency measurement system that uses gold as a way to set the value of money. It basically means that the currency people spend and earn is a stand-in for gold. Then the U.S. government used the gold standard until it was severed in 1971 by President Nixon. Now, I'll be honest, I'm going to show my ignorance a little bit here. I didn't realize that. I was talking to a pastor before church. I said, I didn't realize we wasn't on the gold standard anymore. 1971, no more. This might shock you a little bit if you didn't know this. The U.S. dollar is backed by the full faith in and credit of the United States government. Doesn't it make you feel comfortable today? Nice, fuzzy, warm feelings knowing that all your money's backed by our U.S. government. I'll leave that right there. But gold is still a major form of wealth in the world today. Many buy and invest in gold. Gold is worth about $1,675 per ounce. That's of last Friday, and its price fluctuates every day. A troy pound is 12 ounces. So I'm going to throw some math your way, and they're going to put it on the screen. And I am so glad that I talked to the pastor about these numbers for church because I had it all messed up. But here's the amazing thing. I still had the right number at the end. That's God right there. <laughs> so, go back to the last slide, please. Gold is worth $1,675 per ounce. A troy pound uh, is 12 ounces. One pound at $1,675 per ounce would equal $20,100. Go to the next one. One mile is equal to 5,280 feet. If the average street in heaven is 25 feet wide, to pave a six-inch thick street, one mile long would be 66,000 uh, feet cubed. A cubed foot of gold weighs 1,206 pounds. So, to pave one mile in gold would cost, I think I've tipped a little bit ahead of here. Did I got it? All right. One mile in gold, like I said, I get all the numbers mixed up, but I get it right at the end, $1.6 trillion. One mile of gold, $1.6 trillion. Anybody got that kind of money we can loan to the church, pave our parking lot? <laughs> $1.6 54 million miles. It's crazy to think about. There's 54 million miles of streets in heaven. Now, I thought about trying to calculate that number, and it just I, I think I've made the point. I don't think we need to go any farther. No wonder I get excited about heaven. No wonder there's an anxiousness in my spirit to get there. Let me ask you today, are the streets in heaven the greatest thing? No, that's just what we walk on. We build streets out of the cheapest material, dirt, gravel, concrete, asphalt, and... This is what God is saying to us. The greatest worth to this world means nothing to him. He will use it to pave his streets. Can I tell you today, I don't realize I'm throwing a lot of things at you right now. But if you're living for the wealth of this world, just remember, the best it has to offer is the least in heaven. Jesus said, my father's house has many mansions. I've done a fair amount of traveling, not as much as some, but I love having a home to come home to. There's nothing better than coming home after a long trip. God is building me a mansion to come home to. You just wait till you see my new home. You think my new home's good, you wait to see my new, new home. 
You wait till you see that home. Jesus is building it. He's the carpenter. He's the contractor. He's the electrician. He's the plumber. He's everything. Realize God made this world in six days. After each day, God said it's good. Then he made man, and he said very good. Look at this beautiful world. There's some amazing things to see in this world. Some amazing things to achieve in this world. Six days. He is taking 2,000 years plus to build our eternal home in heaven. He built this in six days. What will heaven be like? I want your imagination to run wild with me right now. I've come to remind you Jesus is coming back, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited to get to go to heaven. I'm excited to have some happy reunions. I'm looking forward to seeing my grandparents again and maybe siblings along the way and parents, loved ones that have gone on that we once again embrace. I believe that. We're going to look at each other, shout and remember our lives and say, it was worth it all. What will be the greatest sight we have never seen? What will be the greatest sight you've never seen? Let's look at God's word real quick, and I'm not going to be much longer. Let me ask you, when you go on vacation, do you see the best first or last? I want to see the best first. My kids wouldn't let me do it any other way, but I like seeing the best first. Because, you know, near the end of the trip, you kind of want to relax. I want to see the best first. First is the greatest thing that we do. Let's see what we do in heaven after the first rapture. If we look in the Bible at Revelation 7, 9, it doesn't say that we will touch the pearly gates. It doesn't say we will admire the gold or run from room to room in our mansions. But it says this. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne. And behold the land, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders of the four living creatures, and they, they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might might be unto our, our God forever and amen. The first thing I'm doing, the first thing I'm going to do when I cross those gates is I'm going straight to the throne of God. I'm going past the gates. I'm walking past my mansion. I don't care about the gold under my feet. I don't care about the jasper on the walls. I'm going straight to Jesus. I just want to see the one who died for me. I got to see my Savior upon the throne. I've come to tell you today, the greatest sight I've not seen is Jesus on the throne in heaven. I want to see Jesus in glory. If you need to borrow my mansion for a few years, you can have it. Because I'm going to be at the throne worshiping my Savior. I'm going to be at the feet of Jesus lifting my hands and saying glory to God in the highest. 1 John 3, I see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him. Oh, this should excite somebody. We shall see Him as He is. 
Runners run a marathon. They don't run while talking. Their only desire is to get to the finish line. They run silently, pushing toward victory. I'm going straight to the throne of heaven, 750 miles from the closest gate. I don't care if you're in front of me. If I go by you today, Brett, or that day, don't be offended if I don't say hello. I'm going to Jesus. Please don't be offended if I go running by you and I don't make any aspiration to talk to you because I just got to get to Jesus. I want to see the one who died for mankind. I want to see the greatest sight never seen. He shed his blood on Calvary. He died so that I might have mercy and grace. My salvation is in him alone. I'm going to the throne. Oh, does anybody feel that way today? I'm going to the throne. God, I don't care what I have to do. I don't care what I have to go through. I don't care what kind of trials is coming my way. I have got to get to the throne. True wealth is not... And how much money or possessions we acquire. True wealth is based on a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior. The greatest thing I can achieve is a mansion in heaven. Hear me today. The greatest thing I can achieve is making it to heaven. My goal in life, my first first desire is to make heaven my home. Can I tell you today, there is a spot reserved for each of you at the throne of God. I believe he's already prepared a mansion and he's ready for your your arrival. It's human to doubt. It's human to be in error. But understand today, he did die for your sins. He did. He was raised again on that third day. And the Holy Ghost is available for you this very hour. Would you stand with me? Our sins can be buried in a watery grave in the name of Jesus. He sent his spirit. So thankful for the Holy Ghost, for the spirit inside of me that empowers each of us. He is creating a new Jerusalem. Believe it today. He is creating a new Jerusalem, and he will return one day for his church. The bridge between doubt and faith is a personal experience with Jesus when His Spirit comes inside your soul. And there's no doubt left. I know without a shadow of doubt, Jesus is real. Because I feel Him. I feel Him. Maybe you're here today and you have felt something in your, in your soul. You felt something in your spirit, but you're doubting what your next step is is in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you find yourself not prepared or maybe not even seeking heaven. Maybe heaven's the last thing on your mind wherever you're at. I I want you to know you can come down to this altar and Jesus will reach his nail-scarred hands. It's okay to doubt. I remember guys preaching when I was a kid, oh, how dare you doubt Jesus? It's okay to doubt But if you'll step out in faith and let God just reach out to you, he'll show you how real he is. He'll show you what he can do in your life. We cannot physically place our finger in his nail-scarred hands or inside the spear wound on his side, but 
we can feel his presence. I hope you can feel God moving right now through this place. We can witness, and we have witnessed many times, his power through miracle signs and wonders. Jesus has entered into this sanctuary today. He's right here. Would you just close your eyes with me and let's just focus on Jesus for a second. Jesus is here right now. He's ready to encourage the downhearted. He's ready to strengthen the weary body. He's ready to save a lost soul. I believe right now that every person under the sound of my voice can feel the presence of God. I believe the Spirit of God is reaching into every heart right now. I want to encourage you. Would you just lift your hands right now? Would you just connect with the Savior? This altar is open. And I pray that you have the courage today to step out and take that next step in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the throne of heaven. That will be the greatest sight you will ever see. The faith team is going to come and assemble at the front right now. And if you need specific prayer, I encourage you to find one of them. But I would that everybody, if you feel the presence of God right now, if you feel something tugging on your heart, would you just, would you just step out? Would you come down to this altar? And would you just lift up your hands and say, God, I, I don't know what's next. I, I don't really know what you have for me. But I know that if I just reach for you, you're going to reach for me. Would you come right now? Would you come and connect with Jesus? These altars are open. Would you respond? Heaven is the greatest thing we can achieve. Seeing Jesus on the throne of glory is my number one priority. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, would you respond today? I know God is moving on some hearts. There's someone here today that, God, you have felt his presence so many times, and you're not exactly sure what it is. You're like, I, I know I feel something, but I don't really know what to do. What you do is you just step out, and you say, God, I just I, I want to connect to you. I want to I know you deeper than before. I want to understand what this is that I'm feeling in my heart right now. Would every hand be lifted right now? Let's just seek after him. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.